We're just going to do the final part here of our promises for conquest. If you turn, please, to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Amen. Joshua chapter 1. And uh, I'd like to read you. Uh, we're going to start in verse 9. These are the five promises God gave me on September 1st, 2017 for these years of conquest and for the revival that is to come. And he said, have not I commanded thee? Father, I thank you for your word. It's rich, it's truth, it's life. I thank you that it burns within them like a fire. Father, remember those two men on the road to Emmaus. Father, I remember that story. And Jesus talked with them and they didn't even know it was Jesus after he rose again. And Lord, it says that they, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke with us? The word of the Lord was a burning in their hearts. Father, let the word of the Lord this morning help burn in their hearts, help bring encouragement for those that are at home, that are watching. Father, let them feel so loved that they are in unity, that they are part of this fellowship. They're part of our family, that even though I can't see them and I miss them, but Lord, I I know that they're watching and they're being honorable and I'll see them at the next service. For those that are here and have been faithful to take time, to dress up, to come, to drive, many of them far distances, I thank you that you honor them, Father, with your word this morning and that it would be like a fire inside them in Jesus' precious name. And he said, I have not, I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. And I was discouraged on that day. And he said, first of all, I've told you to do this. So that's why it's going to work. So stop, stop being all upset and, and discouraged. Now verse 6. This is the order in which he said it to me. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide. For an inheritance, the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them in the New Living and other translations. And in the, in the Hebrew, there's a double emphasis in the Hebrew on the word you. And even the New Living says, for unto this people shalt thou, hyphen, thou, yes, I said thou, divide. In other words, God was saying, I've asked you to do this, buddy. Not as somebody else, I've asked you to do this. And so the Lord was dealing with me. I've called you and I've asked you to do this. So stop whining and stop trying to shirk your responsibility. Stop letting the devil beat your brains out. Stand up and run your race. Jesus is looking for warriors. He's looking for Joshua. He's not looking for wimps. And he, I was really struggling at that time in my life. And he, he was telling me, I've asked you to do this. It has to work. I'm in your boat. You can't sink. And I've asked you to do this. Not somebody else, you. So stop whining and get up. And then he said two instructions to me and one promise. The first instruction was verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That you shall meditate there in day and night and shall observe to do or obey according to all that is written in there. You will make your way prosperous and have good success. The word, the word, the word, the word. Now, if you're speaking the word, you're also praying because speaking in the word is prayer, talking to God about it. But this verse is about the word because faith is required for conquest. And if you don't get strong in this area, you won't have when the test and the pressure and the devils and the giants and all this stuff comes. And it wasn't just the giants in Canaan. It was the people that were arguing amongst themselves. The tribes, some of them didn't like each other. People in the body of Christ cannot like each other. Do you understand? That can be a hardship for a leader. Plus you've got the enemy. Plus you've got the politicians. Plus you've got this. Plus you've got family and home life. You have to keep balance. There's a lot of things. But the, if the word will produce what you need faith-wise to overcome all of these obstacles. So that was one instruction is get the word and don't, I know it's a famous verse that you all know very well, but it was a revelation when he spoke it to me. And then verse seven was the second thing. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it from the right or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. He said, Moses gave you a certain, a certain standard of the word. I don't want you to turn from that standard that Moses gave you. Moses is mentioned here because your spiritual parents are important and submission is important. And the centurion said, I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. I'm under and therefore I have authority. And Jesus says, you've got the greatest faith in all of Israel. Jesus respected the man that understood submission to authority. And God picked Joshua because he wasn't a lone wolf and he didn't think he knew everything. He understood the thing that Moses taught me, I'm going to stay with. One of the reasons I'm blessed, one of the reasons, no matter what, I don't mean to be mean, but no matter what happens with you, I know I'm going on. Yes, if you want to stay with this message, you'll go on with me. True. If you want to stay in faith, you'll overcome. I don't care what comes your way, you'll overcome it. Yes, I don't care how impossible it looks, the gift of faith can overcome it. Yes, you know, people that have all these great needs in their life, I wonder why they're not sitting in my Bible school. Because I'm, the Holy Ghost said that to me. He said, people that need miracles, where are they, son? I looked around, I said, I don't know where they are. He said, that's right, because the ones that need it most won't show up. 
I'm teaching how the gift of faith operates. The gift of faith is the, is the top gift out of the nine. When that gift of faith comes on you, you can believe for anything. You can fly. Miracles happen. In fact, miracles can't happen without the gift of faith. If God's going to do a miracle through you, he ha you have to operate in the gift of faith in order for that miracle to happen. And I'm giving dozens of examples through the Bible to explain this. That's only two of the nine gifts. And I heard the Holy Ghost say one time to me, he said, people that need miracles, where are they? I said, I don't know, Lord. He said, that's right. That's how he said it to me. That's right. They don't show up to hear the word about miracles. And that's what they need. And he wasn't pleased, Taylor. Because everybody says they need all these things, but when the answers are given, they're busy, busy, busy. And Dad Hagen would tell people all the time, busy, busy, busy. You're too busy, you too make all the excuses, but when the answer that you need is present. <laughs> oh, the burden to my soul sometimes is people, honestly. They got such, I want so bad for them to get their miracle. And if I wanted that bad, I can't imagine how bad Jesus wants it because he loves you a whole lot more than I do. And he died for you. And yet the place to find answers is the local church. You can hear Dad Hagen teach it and get a measure or somebody else teach it on the radio or on a, on a podcast and get a measure. But in the being present, I long, Romans 1.11, to see, not you to see me, the minister to see you that I may impart to you a gift. You can't impart if you don't see. That's why Wednesday night that word of prophecy came for Marjorie Ann Dyke because as soon as I saw her, God could have spoken to me, but he doesn't often do it that way. As soon as I saw. Now, a lot of people I see all the time, that doesn't mean that there's an, a, a, a dramatic impartation in terms of me singling them out. But, but when there, there are impartations when you're present. That's what God was trying to say. If you just show up and stop making the excuses, you'll get an impartation to establish you. And, some, and a gift will come into you. A help will come into you. But people got to be, they got to be interested. They got to be uh, not distracted with all the stuff. Anyway, I'm not mad. I'm just passionate. There's a difference. If I was mad, you'd know it. I ain't mad. I'm glad. I'm happy. I'm just trying to get people to get their miracle. You got to be around when the preaching on miracles is happening. Now, don't turn to the left or the right because your man of God is important in your life. So those are the two instructions. Stay in the word and in the spirit. And don't depart from your spiritual parents. And then verse 5 is the promise. And he says, And there shall no man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not fail. That means to lessen the grip. And I will not forsake. That means to let go of the rope altogether. I'll keep my promises taunt in your life. What I've promised you, if you'll believe me, because you've been in the word, if you'll believe me, I'll keep my promises taunt. What I promised you, what I did for him, I'll do for you. And there are four categories of those that withstood Moses. There was the Pharaoh and the politicians, and you saw their end. There was Yanis and Yambres and witchcraft and warlocks, and you saw their end. Yeah. And there was all the tribes, like the Amorites. Remember when he held his hands up and worshiped God, and as long as he held his hands up, Joshua was able to beat them. There was just secular people. There was just other tribes. It represents just secular sinners that try to attack you and hurt you and malign you. And, and you see their end. Yes. Right. And then there were rebellious Christians. Yes. The Korah people. And others that withstood him from within his midst and ground opened up and swallowed him. And fiery serpents came. I'm telling you, something about it is serious, man. In other words, if you look at Moses, no one was able to stop him. And he's saying to Joshua, I'll be the, I'll be the same for you. And now this, anyone can claim the scripture, but when Jesus shows up in your bedroom and he spoke to me in a very dramatic way, couldn't see him, but I know exactly where he was standing. and I know where he walked in. And my, I'm telling you, the, I've, I've been a, in the presence of Jesus before. Jesus appeared to my wife once down in, in Pastor Scott Webb's church. While, while Annie Durant was singing and, and, uh, and her husband, uh, Kevin, was playing the trumpet. Jesus walked out of the platform. He had a red sash on. He came and stood before my... Now, I didn't see him. She did. I think that's personally very unfair. And I'm having a discussion with the Lord about that. Again, I've talked to him every year about it. He don't seem to listen. But I know when Jesus shows up, there's a certain thing that happens. When Jesus comes in a room, there's, it's a different atmosphere. I can't say it's not like an angel. It's not just the anointing. There's a certain presence that comes. I felt it that night, and I didn't realize until she told me after that he appeared to her. And then I felt it with Patsy Caminetti. And Jesus walked out that door, and he came right down here, and he spoke to her about our church and about the ministers that would come out to preach the word. And about prayer. Yeah. 
And then another time we had a lady here who got offended. Amazing how she gets offended. But anyway, offended. And Jesus walked in that same presence. I know that presence. I know when Jesus is present in person. I just don't always get to see him, but I know that he's there. And I could feel there was something very different that service. Jesus walked in the back. He came up. The person was sitting where, where, where Brother Winston is sitting. And he said, uh, do you like the church that I've selected for you? Yeah. This church. And she said, yes, Lord. And, G- and Jesus said to her, he said, he said uh, this church is, uh, the, I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was, this church is, is going to be used in the last day great revival. Be faithful here. And you'll be used. Well, within six months, she got offended and left. After Jesus in bodily form with her eyes open in an open vision walked out the back door through the back door and stood beside her and told her that this was a place to be and that he was going to use this in the last day great move of God and that I was the right pastor for her. Not for everybody, but for her. Still gets offended. Why do you think, why do you think Jesus came? Because her supply was very important to this end day revival because she was a prayer warrior. And the devil knows that. So he tried to hammer it. And you know, he did it through her kids. Through her kids. They got offended and she decided to go with culture. And go with the children because culture, they don't want to lose their culture. And culture will rob you of the plan of God. Matthew 19, Jesus says, unless you're willing to leave father and mother, sons and daughters. And it also says wives. Nobody, not even your spouse comes before you and Jesus. Not even your spouse. Jesus said, you've got to sometimes give up certain family members and certain cultures if it goes against what I'm trying to do in your life. And he listed wives, which means a spouse, a husband or a wife is not more important than your relationship with the Lord. I know people say that it is, but they're wrong because Jesus said, you're going to have to give certain things up. If, if, if they block, they don't have to block. If they don't block, you don't just, you don't use that verse. Well, you know, that don't, uh, she, don't want, she don't want me to buy the, the truck that I want. So I'm just going to give her, give her up, give her up to the devil, to the destruction of the flesh. I'm just going to give her up because she, don't, she wants a Chevy and I want the Ford. I'm just going to give her up. Now, you see, you can take it to such ridiculous extremes, but Jesus is saying you don't let anything stop you and hinder you. You see, I have to put a little bit of humor because some of you, your eyes are growing big and glorious and wide. No man will be able to stand you. Not politicians. Not, not corrupted saints. Not sinners and heathens and not witches and warlocks. Praise God. And there's a lot of them out there. There was one coven that took a special liking to us. They're about two kilometers from here. They took a special liking to this church because we had the sign. And they started praying and fasting. And I got in the spirit one day and I saw them in a vision. I saw them with their pentagram and all their little hoods. No fashion sense whatsoever. All their little hoods. And they're cursing. I heard their words. They were cursing us. They were putting spells on this church. And the Holy Ghost rose up within me and said, strike those words down. And I cursed those words. It's the last I ever heard of them. We were having a lot of problems up until that point that I couldn't figure out why we're having so many problems. It's because of that nonsense. But we have such dominion. They're a fly against a hurricane. They're a fly against a hurricane. The devil has no power compared to the power of the Christian. No one will be able to withstand us. So these are the promises, but he said now, emphasize the word, emphasize the word. Out of these five things that I've read you, he's been telling me, and I, and I got some into it last week, but he said, emphasize the word. And so I want you to read one more time with me, verse eight, it says, uh, this book of the law, the word, shall not depart out of your mouth. That means you've got to speak it. How do you speak it if you don't know it? <laughs> you either have to read it or you have to memorize it in order to speak it, right? That means it's got to be before your eyes. Are you with me? And if you're not going to memorize it, it's going to have to stay before your eyes. You've got to speak it. And thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayst observe to do according to all that is written. In other words, if you'll speak it and you'll meditate, get it in your heart, it's not just a matter of speaking, you've got to think about it, you've got to meditate on it and obey it. You've got to do it. You can't just say, speak it. You can't just speak, I walk in love. And then, and then, and then talk about people. You can't say, I've tied the rights and then rob God. You can't just say it. You've got to meditate on it and to do it. You've got to obey it. And the Bible says, I promise you, if you do that, I'll, I'll prosper you. God's way. Not the world's way. God's way. I'll bless you. I'll help you. Amen. So uh, I want you to look with me, please, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. Chapter 23 and verse 7. Can you just look at some scripture with me? Sometimes the anointing is there to read more and other times it's not. But I believe it's there this morning for us to look at a few verses together. I've learned that that anointing can, I can think it's going a certain way in a service and it changes on me and then everything changes. But my plan, praise God, 
One minister, Pastor Nancy Respects, used to say, I study as though there's no Holy Ghost. And I preach as though there's nothing but the Holy Ghost. Meaning a lot of ministers get in the pulpit without having studied, without having written notes, and they're just winging it. That displeases the Holy Ghost. Because it shows a dishonor for his mighty word. You got to study like he's not going to show up. You got to study like you're just going to have to give your little thing. But then you preach not with your little thing. You preach as though there's nothing but the Holy Ghost and you're completely reliant on him and whatever he wants you to do, you'll do. But you study as though he's not going to be there. And then you're always organized and ready, but you're always then as you deliver it, you're ready for the Spirit of God to do what he wants. And so I have some notes. I don't know if I'll get through them or not, but I I have been diligently to study. Diligent to study. So have a look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. And it says, for he, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hmm. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about will get inside you. And what is inside you creates your environment. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. His existence is based on what he thought. So what you think is very important. (laughs) Okay, now if you'd also look please with me in the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew chapter 12, this is the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Kenneth Hagin, there was a lady that got delivered. She was in an insane asylum, a total, total mental case, just lost her mind, demons and everything. And uh, somebody gave her a little book called Right and Wrong Thinking. It's a little book like this big. We have it in the bookstore that Kenneth Hagin wrote just about how to control your thoughts. And she got just, nobody prayed for her. Nobody cast a devil out of her, although she had a lot of devils. But just meditating on the word, those demons left her and they, and they, and they discharged her from the insane asylum. They said she'd be there forever. And then she got permission because she was a former inmate, uh, you know, an inmate, is that what you call them? I don't know. But she was, a, she was there, a patient, I guess. She was a patient of that insane asylum, that, that medical, we don't call it an insane asylum anymore, but that's what they called it back then. So forgive me if I'm not being politically correct, but that's what Dad Hagen called it. Our, our whatever we call them now, m- mental health facilities. Whatever, give me on that nonsense, okay? People that need help mentally are there. Because she was a previous patient, she said to the head doctor, can I come in and have little classes and talk to the people? And these are people in padded cells. Like the people that, you know, they put their hand up and it stays up for a week. Catatonic people, everything. And and he said, well, what are you going to do? She goes, well, uh, you told me that my case was miraculous. That it was impossible. What you said was impossible, I proved possible. So maybe I know something that you don't know. Because you're doing all your stuff with your classes and I don't see anybody getting better. Why don't you let me teach them what I, what I learned and see if anybody gets better? And he couldn't, he couldn't argue with her. So she takes little Dad Hagen's book, Right and Wrong Thinking, hands it to all those mental patients and just started teaching them. Just reading one page at a time, real slowly, opening up the scripture about how they need to think differently. And about 90% of them got discharged. Some didn't, they just didn't want to learn. But the ones that she had, and, and, and she told Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen met her, and she told Dad Hagen, she said, the problem with people in these, in these institutions is everybody babies them. Yeah. Yeah. She said, I, I was so bombarded. I didn't want somebody babying me. I wanted somebody to help me. Yeah. And they're talking all this nonsense and all this psychological nonsense. It doesn't help me. I need power to help me. And when I read your book and I opened the Bible and I saw the verses, something came into me. A strength came into me and it was help and it changed the way I thought about things. And that thinking got right and those demons that were oppressing me left. She said, don't placate them and don't baby them. Talk to them straight. She said, I told them in the class. She told Dad Hagen. It's in his one of his books. She said, she said I told them in the class, if you want to get out of this asylum, it's up to you. We're not going to baby you here. We're not patty cake, patty cake. You're in here because of you and you're going to get out because of you. Now that, that's, not, that's not politically correct, but that's the thing that works. And she said, now, if you, if you stop being sorry for yourself, she said, all of you are feeling sorry for yourself. Yes, I know there's demons and there's a lot of things going on, but you need to want to get out more than you want to feel sorry for yourself. Some of you are addicted to the drugs they put on you. You need to want to be free more than you want that feeling of numbness. And she said, if you want it, then listen to me. And about 90% listened to her and got discharged. And the doctors couldn't understand it. Because right and wrong thinking can make all the difference in your life. And the word is the only thing that will give you right thinking. 
You just come and sit under the word. Don't do nothing. Just sit under the word. Just sit under the word. Even if you don't come to an altar call, even if you don't come to a prayer meeting, even if you refuse to do ministry of help, just come sit under the word. Even if you don't want to tithe, I don't care. God will supply the need somewhere else, but just come sit under the word. Just come sit under the word. The word will wash. The word will renew. The word will change. The word will bring an effect. It will change your thinking. My God, it's powerful. The word of God is so powerful. Matthew chapter 12, whereas I verse 34. And it says here in verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's in red. Jesus said it. So we got the wisest man in the Old Testament, Solomon, and the wisest man that ever lived, Jesus. And one saying, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the other saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we put them together. Can we do a Solomon Jesus sandwich for a second? Can we make it into a, a roll up? Praise God. As a man thinks in his heart and out of the abundance of his heart speaks, so he is. You with me? What you think about, you'll meditate on. What you meditate on, you'll speak. What you speak, you'll have. Because what you meditate on, you'll believe. Praise God. So I won't read it for sake of time, but Hebrews 11:2 says uh, that God framed the worlds with his words. You frame your worlds with your words. What your world looks like is a direct relation on what you've thought, on what you've meditated on, and what you've said. Because that's the world you'll have. So if you want your children to obey, you start, start saying, calling things that be not yet as though they're about to be. Father, thank you that my kids are on fire for God. Thank you, Father, that my kids are obedient. Thank you, Father, that my body's well, but you, but you feel pain. Yeah, I know, but you're calling things that be not as though they already are. That's what faith is, according to Romans 4. God, God looked at what was not yet, but he called it, he said, light be, light be, light is. And there was darkness, but he called what he did, what he wanted to see, not what was. He didn't talk about the darkness. He said, light, and light came. He didn't talk about the fact that he complained that there was no firmament or, or airspace between the waters. He said, he said, atmosphere, and there was an atmosphere. He called things that he wanted to see, even though he didn't see them yet, as though he already saw them, and they obeyed his word. And he framed the worlds with his words. And if you just start to call things that you want a job, don't talk about the fact that you don't have the job. If you want new clients, don't whine about the fact that you don't have clients. Start saying, Lord, I thank you for my new clients. I call them in. I command them to come in Jesus. Angels, go help me. I say it. I call those things that be not yet, and I say it as though I already have it. That's God's system. That's the way God works. You want to have success? Do it God's way. Amen. Praise God. So what you think and what you meditate and what you speak is what you'll have. It's, it's, it's not hard. It's because you want, your worlds are framed by your words, but your words become, come out of your heart. And what comes into your heart comes into your, from your brain. So what you look at and what you read and what you hear gets into your brain. It goes into your heart. The longer you meditate on it, the more you'll say it. The more you believe it and say it, the more you'll have it. It's not complicated, is it? But it's important. The gifts of the Holy Ghost don't change the way you think. The gifts of the Holy Ghost help you in a lot of different areas. When you feel the presence of God come, like we had in worship and other times, that doesn't change the way you think. It refreshes you. Rest times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, the Bible says. It can build you up, strengthen you, help you. Those gifts will cause things to happen and do in your life, reveal things to you. But the way your mind thinks will never change with the presence it will never change just by praying in tongues. It will never change just by because the gifts are in operation. It only changes because the word, the word and the way God thinks starts to filter like coffee filter. You know, you put the coffee in there and the water comes and, and then when it comes out, it looks different, right? Because it went in clear and it came out brown because it filtered through something. Do you understand? You put the word, you put the word of God in your heart. And, and, and the, your thoughts are going to filter through that. Yes. And what's going to come out is going to look different and taste different and smell different. Yes. Praise God. Yes. Best part of waking up is Folgers in York. <laughs> the best part of waking up is the word of God in your heart. It'll, something else will come out in your day. Hallelujah. Look at all this free advertising they're getting. My God, free, free, free advertising. So if, if we say that the word of God will change the way you think, as a man thinketh, we could say that, do you remember that word think? Meditates in his heart. Heart is where you have your emotional center. I know it's your spirit too, but your emotional center as well, your soul. 
It's going to change the way you think in your soul realm, as well as in your spirit, your heart, your spirit's going to get built up. But I, I'm putting the word feel there because a lot of people understand the word feel. Yeah. And then, of course, out of the abundance of the mouth, you speak. So there's words. So how you, the word of God is going to come and it's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you feel. It's going to change the way you speak. And it's going to change the way you live. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is his life. I want my thinking, my speaking, my feelings, and my life to look like God's word. I don't want it to look like my way of doing it because I've tried it. It didn't work very well. Do you understand? Can you look with me, please, in Colossians 3.16? While you're reading that, let me tell you, if you're thrilled with the word, Pastor Nancy always says that, get thrilled with the word. If you're thrilled with the word, you'll come to church because you'll hear the word under an office in a different anointing than when you hear it at home. But, listen now, if you're thrilled with the word, you won't just come to church and hear it under an office with an anointing that is not your own. You'll also be so thrilled with it that you'll want to read it under your own anointing, in your own prayer closet, in your own bedroom, in your own foxhole, like Dr. Dufresne had a study that he called the foxhole. Wherever, wherever your deal is, if you're thrilled with it, you'll want to read it every day because you love it and you're thrilled with it. But you'll also want to come because under your anointing, because you don't have an office, it's going to be a certain measure. And you're going to want to listen to it from other offices on podcasts and everything, because that'll help. But there's nothing quite the same as coming in person. Nothing quite the same as coming in person. Praise God. Pastor Nancy is in New York this week, in my backyard, two and a half hour drive. And, and, and uh, we want to always be around her if we can. And so now that we don't have to quarantine and, and things are opening up, I can now travel more. But I still have to be led by the Spirit as to where I go because she travels a lot. I can't be everywhere. I'll never be home. I have responsibilities. So I thought, I'm going to go down to New York. It seemed right to my wife and I. God didn't have to speak to us. I just said, I'm going to go. I need to be refreshed. I need to be under the Word. I need to be under the Word from an office that I'm submitted to. Just like you have to come to church, I have to go to church. That's my church. And so then, the, of course, Canada, for the first time in the history of the world, is now ahead of the United States. Yeah. For the first time in the history of the world. Because now we're letting Americans come in as of August 9th, and they still won't let Canadians go in by the land border. They're still closed to Canadians. So what should have been a two and a half hour simple drive with one tank of gas now turns into a whole heap of trouble. And there is no direct flight from Toronto to Buffalo. Explain that to me, please. <laughs> Buffalo? Toronto? Takes two and a half hours to drive, but the, no, there's no plane that flies there. Is that, is that ridiculous or what? So in order to get to Buffalo, I have to fly 10 hours to Chicago, wait and fly back, or go to Philadelphia, wait and come back. And what should have taken me a two and a half hour drive is now taking me 10 hours in flight time. Plus costing 10 times more in money. So I find, finally find a direct flight into Pittsburgh. So at least that's only one hour, but then there's a three-hour drive, and then you have to be there four hours early in the airport because they don't know what they're doing, apparently. They've never heard of this thing called COVID. COVID? What's COVID? I don't know what COVID is. They don't know what COVID is, so it lines out the wazoo. So what should have taken me two and a half hours and $30 is now taking me, by the time you add it all up, 13 hours and thousands of dollars. So I said, I'm not going. Forget it. I'm fine. I'm a man of God. I need to go. I know God. I don't need to go. Jenny says, you're going. I said, don't you tell me what to do, woman. I said, don't you tell me. I'll do what I want to do. She said, pray, honey. Look at your spirit. You're stumbling. You would fly to Russia to see Pastor Nancy, but you won't fly to Pittsburgh. Well, it's different because it's ridiculous. You see, we can be so weird in our minds the way we look at things. I wouldn't mind phone for California because it, to me, that's, that's just, that's bona fide. That's a justifiable trip. But to go there and pay that money and that kind of hours when I could just, but it's not my fault, I can't, but I should be able to, I struggled with that. And I said, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to go. And the Lord said, would you like me to know what I think? I said, yes, Lord, I'd like you to know what you, because I really thought he was going to say, don't go. He said, I shouldn't have to tell you to go. He said, you've, let, you've failed me in this. I said, what do you mean? I have to be led by the Spirit. He said, some things you don't have to be led by my Spirit on when they're obvious. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, when, when your mother is in your backyard, you don't need to ask me to go, son. Honor dictates that you show up. Unless I tell you not to because of danger, a red light. Dad Hagen said we're led more by red lights than green lights. In other words, unless I tell you not to, then you don't go. So you can inquire of me. 
But he said, you're not trying to inquire of me. You've already made your mind up that you're not going. That's not called inquiring. That's called updating. A lot of you made your mind up already. You're just updating God. (laughs) Father, update. I've decided to do this. Update. I'm marrying that person. Just want to let you know. No, you're not supposed to update God. You're supposed to inquire of God. He said, what you're doing is updating me. He said, are you going to inquire of me or are you going to update me? I said, I've come to inquire, but I'm acting like I'm updating. Please forgive me. He said, I want you to go. I shouldn't have to tell you to go because honor dictates that you go. And if I didn't want you to go, you'd know it in your spirit, but I've given you a green light. So I don't care how long it takes you. I don't care how much money you have to pay. I want you there because you need to plug yourself in. You know, when your iPhones get a little low, you plug it in and the current builds that battery up. There's been a lot going on. There's been a lot of preaching, a lot of ministry, a lot of attacks. There's been a lot my wife and I have gone through since uh, March of this year. It feels like it's been four years, five years, and it's only been five months. It's been a long haul. And the Lord said, son, even though I know you're strong and I know that you're, you know, you're, you're believing me, there are times you need to just sit and not be the preacher. You need to just sit and listen. You need to let the word wash over you. You just need to be around other ministers that are of like mind. I don't care how far it is. I don't care how much money it costs. You've got the money. You've got the time. Get going. You don't even need to ask me because there was a green light. You're just complaining. You're updating me. You're not inquiring. So ask me next time. Don't update me. I said, Lord, he said, you tell the congregation members to come and ask. Not to just tell you what they've decided to do in case that there's something that they're not getting that as their pastor, I might reveal to you for them. Not in controlling, not manipulation. He said, and when they don't, when they come and just tell you stuff and don't say, pastor, does it feel good to you? You you kind of think, well, they can do whatever they want, but that's immaturity. He said, you're doing the same to me. You come to update me instead of inquiring of me. You tell, tell me that you're not going instead of asking me if I want you to go. And I already gave you the green light, not the red light. That means you go. He said, Chef, Pastor Nancy doesn't have to ask you. And I don't have to have a big dramatic telling you. It's obvious that you go and sit under the word if you can. And if she's right there in your backyard, I don't care how long it takes you, you go. So I need to sit under the word. So I'm going this week. We leave for the nice five-hour lineup in the airport. As soon as service is over, I got comfortable shoes. I'm going to go stand in that lineup and rejoice. Maybe play some worship music loud on my phone and get all the devils anxious. <laughs> but I, I need to be under the word, just like you do. I need to be faithful. You don't need to ask God if you need to come to church. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You just, you just come. You don't you just come. You, well, you don't come. You call Lorraine first. You, you email her. But once she said, you, in other words, people say, well, I'm just waiting on God if I should go to church. Well, you'll be waiting on God a long time. And if you can't even figure that out, you'll never figure out where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do in the rest of it. Because certain things are so basic, honey, and so obvious. We don't need some big dramatic thing. We are led by red lights. There's been times I wanted to go and God gave me a check, even for Pastor Nancy. And I don't know why. And even today, I still don't always know why. But I just know that check. Is it because there's something wrong with her? Oh, it's because God knew that she was in sin this week and he didn't want you to be around that. No, that's a bunch of nonsense. It's got nothing to do with that. It's to do with, I don't need to know and I don't care what it's to do with. I just know. I just know. Don't go. If I violate that, I get in big trouble. When I violated that in the past, I've got sick. When I violated it in the past, I've had accidents. When I violated it in the past, I've had problems with my children. I've learned not to violate that inner witness. But he leads primarily with red, not with green. In other words, if there's a good feeling, a velvety feeling, a green light, just move. You don't need a big dramatic answer. You don't need a big dramatic lightning bolt. Just move. Check for the checks. Check for the checks. Check down here for the checks of the spirit, the red lights. When you get the red light, you don't move no matter what. I don't care how much they're pressuring you, say no. But when you have that green, velvety, good feeling, you just move forward. You don't need always God to have a big dramatic thing. And, I, and he said to me, you don't need Pastor Nancy to ask you to come because she didn't ask me this time. Sometimes she says, Pastor, I want you to come. Now, most times she doesn't. A camp meeting, but she does, but not, not other times. She said, you don't need her to ask you. Just like you don't need your congregation. You don't need to ask your congregation to show up when you're teaching. And you don't need to ask me in, in terms of, you know, it's obvious. But when you do come, inquire, don't update. And you're stumbling over the money and you're stumbling over the time, but you do it if she was in China. So what's the problem with, with, I don't understand what the problem with Buffalo is. But Lord, it's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous, but you're in your mind about it. Get over it. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. 
I'm telling you, we've got to change the way we think. You see, this is the thing. It's a thought process. It's a, it's a thinking process. You know what I'm saying? Some people, not mean to be mean to you, but, but, you'll, but you'll drive 30 kilometers because you've looked up on your little nasty app as to where the gas price is, and you'll drive 30 kilometers and stand in the line for 30 minutes to get the gas that's five cents cheaper, but you forgot that the 30 kilometers it took you to get there and the 30 kilometers, you've already burned all your savings. But people get into this, this rut of their mind like these things are... I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I'm just I'm take, take a look at yourself for some... And if, you're, if your thinking's wrong, just say, Lord, I need you to wash me with the water of your word. I want to think right. I want to I feel right. I want to I wanna speak right. And I want to live right. I want my life to look like you. And the only thing that changes that is the word. The more you're in the word, the more he'll correct you. You know, I find with scripture that just blasts all the theologians and the chauvinist theologians right out of the water. I can't really remember where it is right now because I didn't write it in my notes, but I was reading it in my prayer time yesterday. I believe it was in Timothy. And Timothy says, and Paul says to Timothy, uh, you know all these young ladies that are widows, their husbands are died, and, and, now, and now, they, uh, now they're starting to wanton sexually. Wanton, W-A-N-T-O-N, means they're getting sexually promiscuous. And, and then some of them are picking husbands or, or, or whatever that are not following God and they fall away from the faith because of dating. How many times have we seen that? Paul, he talks about it right there in Timothy. Because they, 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 they'd want to get remarried and they're widows, but, but, in, but they're so desirous of the sexual side of things that they're starting to get dis- distracted and those relationships pull them away from Christ. And the Bible says their faith is now lost. It's dangerous. So he says, I would rather that those young ladies get married instead of getting distracted by wrong relationships, ungodly relationships. And then he says, have them get married and tell them if they want, they should have children. That's what he says there. And then he, and then he says something that really knocked the wind right out of me. And he says, for they are to guide their house. That word guide, if you studied in the Greek word, means they are the master of their house. And the, and the root Greek word means they are the head of the house, not the husband. I dropped my Bible. My mouth went dry. My face went pale. I had rash and hives. I said, my God, what are you saying here, Lord? What are you saying here? You couldn't have meant that. You couldn't have meant that the lady is the head of the house. He said, read it again, son. I said, but I got scripture for you that the man is the head of the house. And I took God. I said, turn on your Bibles. I said, I took God to Ephesians chapter five. The man is the head of the house. And he said, look it up in the original. I said, I don't want to because I knew something bad was coming. I knew something bad was coming. And you know what that original says? Head means the part of the body most likely to take the hit. When you get in a fight, yes, boxing, they'll go for your gut and whatever. But when you get in a street fight, you're not trying to hit them in the knee. I'm going to try to hit you in the chest bone. Mm. You are going for the face. You're trying to knock them out. Head means the one, the part of the body most likely to take a hit. And the Greek word there is for protection, not for domination. What God is saying is the husband is the one to stand out in front. Not above, front. Same level, not better, not less, but front. Let him take the hit. Let his faith, let his faith be used in that house. Let him deal with devils. Let him, let him take the hit. In that place, he's the head. He's a protector. But the wife, when it comes to everything else, she's the head. Because Timothy says when they're married, these young ladies need to rule and be the head of their house. Govern is what the Greek word says. Be the nester. When it comes to all that stuff, the organization and and, and all that stuff, guys just let her, God's anointed her to guide the house. It means to be the head of the house. So chauvinist among you, you better repent. You better repent. All these weird people think Paul was a chauvinist. They didn't even read the Bible. 
And there are verses that it makes it look like it. And my wife is in a thorough study with a, a, a theologian, a wonderful theologian. And one of the biggest areas where it says about women and silence and all that nonsense, uh, he said, Paul put a word in there that in 1611, they removed that Greek word on purpose. And the word was nonsense. One word, the word nonsense. When they were attacking what it looks like he's attacking women, he actually was doing the opposite and talking about women's rights. And he said about the men that were attacking, he said, what you're doing is nonsense. And because they were chauvinists in 1611, they took that Greek word out. But if you look at it according to the original scrolls, that Greek word's in there. And what Paul was saying is, don't you mistreat them. Be kind to them. Be honorable to them. I've lost it. Sandra, I can sense everybody is there. They're all gone to Swiss chalet for chicken already. I'm not trying to get the men upset with me and the woman glad. Mind you, whoever's holding the offering uh, pocket is who I want to be glad. The ladies usually hold the purse. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, there's a place for me to be the head. And there's a place for my wife to be the head. And I've learned, let her run that house. Let her help with the kids. Let her, let her, she's a great organizer. There's just something, an anointing about her to get this thing going. But in the spirit and in protection and in prayer, she's with me equally. But I go out in front because I am the one to take the first hit. I'm telling you. We are to submit one to an... Read, before it says husbands, the wives submit your husbands. And, 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 and husbands reverence your wives. It's Christ of the church. Before it says any of that, Ephesians 5.20, you read it. It says, it says, submit one to another in the grace of the Lord. One to another. The first thing you do is to submit to each other. You want a good marriage, man? Yes. Why don't you submit a little bit? No, seriously. Men come in all the time. I don't have a good sex life. I don't have a good this. How do you talk to her? Well, I'm the head of the house. That's why you don't have a good sex life because you're the head of the house, buddy. Maybe if you'd be the tail of the house, you'd have a better sex life. Maybe if you submitted a little bit one to another, not as a weakling, not as letting your wife feminist dominate you, but also not be, a chauvinist is just as bad as a feminist. There's no room in the word of God for females dominating males and there's no room in the word of God for males dominating females. God is the most balanced and equitable being that has ever existed. So anytime you see all this nonsense, you see these women that are, that are beaten down, that's not the Holy Ghost. He is displeased with that. He's displeased. And notice all these Mormon people and all these weird polygamists, they've always got the woman under their thumb. They've always got them dominated, Reverend Dan. There's a, there's a sense of you'll do what I say. That's not the Holy Ghost to say do what I say. Not only will you have a bad marriage, you'll hit you in the head with a skillet while you're sleeping. So for self-survival, just shut your mouth, big man. But if you want to please the Holy Ghost, forget about a good marriage. If you want to please God, treat her with great respect. Dad Hagen would make eggs and he would clean the dishes because Miss Aretha did everything else and he was traveling all the time, but he wanted to make her, he made her breakfast all the time and he did the dishes. He said, I know she didn't like to wash, so I wash and let her dry. That's before the days of dishwashers. But he said, every time I made her breakfast and he made her breakfast of regularly, breakfast in bed. And he said, every time I made her breakfast, if I saw the egg, one egg looked a little bit less than the other egg. Maybe the yellow was a little bit off or it broke in the pan. He said, I always gave her the best egg. People say, oh, that's just egg. No, that's the heart. He recognized that she is, she's equal to me. She's, I'm, I'm in league with her. We're heirs together, joint heirs in the grace of God. I submit one to another. I'm the head in one way. She's the head in another way. I respect her. I honor her. You know what? I'm going to make sure I give her the best egg. Praise God. So I often think about that when I'm making Jay and I, and I see that sandwich and I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's time to give her the best egg. Sometimes I find that hard. You know what Jenny does for me? You know what? Because I don't like to share my food. Listen, it's, it's called a plate. It's circular. It's mine. You got, a, you got a plate. It's yours. Don't be crossing plates. Don't be crossing it. Don't be crossing it. It's my plate and it's your plate and that's it. Did you notice they didn't make a plate with a little bridge and then another plate? They could have. And then now you can cross the bridge. It's my plate and it's your plate. Let's keep it separate. I also like to keep the peas separate from the carrots. She likes to mix them all up. You shouldn't do that. You should separate them. I'm just weird. So she, I said, honey, it's your plate. Now I'll make you a sandwich, but don't you touch my sandwich. That's just the way I am. And Jenny, we call her the house mouse because Jenny has just decided from the day I started dating her 25 years ago almost.
She just decided that what you have is mine. And I said, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. It's my plate and your plate, and I'll make you something for your plate. But every single meal for 25 years. Can I have a taste? Can I have a taste? Can I have a bite? Just a small bite. I can't tell you how many years it took me for that ire to just, oh. Oh, and the worst part is dessert. I mean, I got this baby. I've already counted the number of bites. I'm enjoying every say, can I have a taste? No, you can't have a taste. What are you crazy? This is cheesecake. You don't touch it. It's holy. Separate and sanctified unto the Lord, the cheesecake. And took me, no, jokes aside, but it, I, I would get bothered by it. But it took me a long time to when I realized, you know what? Giving her the best egg includes tastes. And I've changed. Now, that, now I offer, oh my God, I've totally, have, I've had a revelation. I've, I've, repentance is a 180 degree turn. I have repented. 180 degree, opposite direction. Now I said, honey, would you like a taste? Yes. And then, but you see, now I've got a sin, a secret sin. The Bible calls it hidden sins. I figure if I offer it to her at the beginning and she gets it out of her system, then I can have the rest to myself. So now we've had another, another problem in our marriage where I offer it, she takes it. And then I think I'm in the clear, Chantel, I'm in the clear. And then three quarters of it, can I have another taste? Oh, dear Jesus. No, I already gave you the taste. But we also believe in sowing and reaping. You know what she does? She likes vegetables more than meat. And I like meat more than vegetables. So she'll always take half her meat and give it to me. And I'll give some of my vegetables to her. I don't mind that kind of taste. No. Praise God. <laughs> I, I'm making, uh, it's funny, but I'm saying as a, a husband and wife, yeah. we have to learn to so honor each other. She's not less, she's different. Yeah. Yeah. She's special. <laughs> Jesus. She's so special to God. And she's special to me. Not that kind of special, the other special. No, we, we, listen, this is life. You can't, you can't get in the bedroom and, and get all excited if you don't have respect for each other at the dining room table, if you don't talk to each other kindly. It's a balance. You're the head in one area and she's the head in the other. And if you don't like that, you better, you better renew your mind because the word, it's not my thinking, it's the word. The word will change the way you think about women. The word will change the way you think about cancer. The word will change the way you think about somebody with black skin or brown skin or, or, or Mediterranean skin because you were raised a certain way. The word will train you into that. Praise God. Amen. You got to have a bad work ethic. You're lazy. The word can change you and give you that. You have a perchant to lie or a perchant to steal. The word will change you. My God, thank God for the word. Oh, we come for the word. We come for the word. Now, because you took so long with that, with getting me off and all these things. Now I don't have time to open the Bible and read. So I'm going to have to quote you something that will never get through. Colossians 3.16. That says, let the word of the Lord dwell, the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What about Ephesians 5, 26? That you may be washed with the water of the word. What about Psalm 119, 11? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. You don't want to stop carnality in the flesh and sin. Just get the word in you. It will push everything else out. You don't worry about the weeds as much. You got to pull them, yes. But you know, sometimes you just can't pull them anymore because you, they're just too many. But you just get some good grass seed in there. It'll choke the weeds. You just get the word in there. It'll just get rid of those things. It just, it just, it'll crowd out the addictions and the problems. Thy word have I hid in my heart. That was Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 5.26, Psalm 119.11. You know, 1 John 5.7 says, Three agree on earth and three agree in heaven. The Holy Ghost, the water, and the blood. The water means the word. It's a symbol of the word. Okay, so that means the Holy Ghost agrees with the word and the blood. So the Holy Ghost is never going to prompt you on something ever that violates the word. So the Holy Ghost as the teacher and the author of the word is going to renew your mind with the word and teach you what the word is saying because he agrees with the word. Praise God. The Holy Ghost is the author of the word. Amen. 
What about Matthew 7, 24? For those, just for those writing notes, I'm giving you references. It says, build your life upon the rock, not upon the sand. When the storm's coming, well, the Word is the rock. Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's the rock. Build your life on the Word. Make decisions based on the Word. Hallelujah. Well, I can't afford to tithe. What does the Word say? You need to have that attitude. If the Word says it, it's an argument. But I don't like that person. What does the Word say? Well, I, I want to do this. What does the Word say? If the Word doesn't say something specific, what does it say in general? And then get in the Holy Ghost and pray out in the Spirit so He can divinely guide you in, intimately for your individual life if you can't find a verse. But if you find a verse, you better listen to that verse. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, Psalm 138 verse 2 says that He's exalted His Word above even His name. And in the, in the Hebrew, what the Hebrew scholars say in his definition of that verse, it means we can trust what you say because of your reputation. Your word is what you say. Your name is your reputation. We can trust what you say. We can trust your word because you've never failed us. You've a, you've a, you've a spotless reputation. If people, have fa- if people have failure in their lives, you can never give me one example where God was at fault. He's blameless, he's sinless, and he's perfect. If there's a problem, it's on our side. It's not on his side. We've got to figure out how to get things from him. If somebody else got healed and you didn't, it's not his side, it's your side. Because he's not a respecter of persons. He wants you to get it as much as that person gets. But so, that person did something or knew something that you didn't know or do. And if you just humble yourself and say, what did they do? How, how did they get it from God? Instead of, why didn't you, God? He's perfect. He's innocent. He's pure. And whatever we don't have in this life is not because of him. It's because of us. And his word holds the answers. Yes. Hallelujah. I know this is simple, Jenny, but it's, it's important. Now, Again, for, there's three references, uh, if you're taking notes. 1 Peter 1.25 in the New Testament, Psalm 119.89 in the Old Testament, and also Isaiah 40, verse 8. All three say, thy word will last for eternity. Amen. They're going to be studying the word in heaven. Yeah. The word never ends. The fowl fades and the, and the grass fades, but thy word lasts forever. Amen. The word is the only thing that's eternal. Now, this one you have to read with me, 1 Timothy 3.15. Can you turn there? 1 Timothy 3.15. See, the, now that's called spontaneous inspired utterance. I'm not thinking about husbands and wives at all. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, talk a little bit about relationships. Now, why do you think the Holy Ghost did that, Jenny? Because there's people watching and there's people in this room that had need some, some tweaking in their marital relationships. So whether you listened or not, an answer came to you. See, that's the difference between coming to a church that is teaching by the Holy Ghost instead of just reading notes. Because I don't know what you need, but the Holy Ghost knows exactly what you need. I'm almost done. Can you stay with me just a couple of seconds longer? 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy. <laughs> Since we're having Promessa de Vida coming, I have to learn Portuguese now. Uh, 3.15. Amen. 1 Timothy. Now, listen to this. It's powerful. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. You know, there's certain ways to behave. You can't just come, you do whatever you want. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. The church. Truth is the word. But the church preaches the word. Not, Not just Reader's Digest, not just opinions, not conjectures. Not conspiracy theories. Amen. I know people have said to me, Pastor, why don't you talk about this stuff? This stuff is going on. There's, I don't talk about conspiracy theories. Right. It's, not my, it's not my place. Yeah. My job is to talk about the Word. Amen. It's not talking about conspiracy theories or about this or about that or about what this other politician says. You can do all that on yourself and waste your time with it. Yes. I'm not wasting my time with that nonsense. I'm after the Word because the only thing that's going to change me is the Word. Right. The only thing that lasts forever is the Word. The only thing that brings faith is the Word. And faith overcomes the Word. Faith gives me victory. So the word is what I'm interested in. Now, uh, it says here that the church of the living God is the pillar and ground of truth. In other words, the church has to preach the word or preach the truth. And what is going to change society is the truth. That's why the church has to take a stand in society and says, we will not bow. We will not yield. We will not, we will not back down. The word, the pillar of truth says this. You can have your genders. The Bible says there's a male and a female and that's it. That's the pillar and ground of truth. That's not old-fashioned, that's eternal. That's eternal. The Bible says a man is to have sexual relations with a woman in the covenant of marriage only. So don't tell me, oh, you're lesbian, gay, vice, tri, whatever your nonsense is. That is not the word of truth. 
it might be your version of the truth and you will stand before a holy God one day and he will judge your truth by his pillar of truth. And I don't want to be you in that place. We're not against, we're not making fun of, we're not demeaning, we're not inciting violence, we're not inciting hatred. We love people, we don't want to hurt anybody, but we are going to say what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong because it's a standard of righteousness. Why are they going to hate righteousness? Because they don't want to believe that anything is right and wrong. They want everything gray. It's your way. If it feels good to you, if it's your truth, there is no your truth. It is truth or not truth. You see how your people at work will get you all mixed up? Well, that's your truth. I just look at them and say, it ain't my truth any more than it's anyone else. It is the truth. I have yielded to the truth. It's not my truth. It's the truth. Because if you agree that it's your truth, then they've got their own truth. Now, you can't argue with them with their truth. No, there isn't your truth or their truth or his truth or her truth. It's the truth. And it's found in the word. That's why we got to stay with the word. We got to stay with the word. We got to stay with the word, Jennifer. Let me, let me read that and then we'll close. Let me read that, please. Uh, what did I say, Jennifer? First Timothy. Help me, woman. Where are we? First Timothy 3 and verse 15. I didn't get through my sermon. Because of all you marriage people that need help. So that if I am delayed new living, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of truth in society. The Amplified Classic says, although I hope to come before long, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm writing these instructions so that you, if I am detained, may know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the stay, the prop up and the support of truth. The church props up and supports truth. Praise God. We're, we're all, it's all about truth. Praise God. Uh, the, the message is, I hope to visit you soon, but just in case I'm delayed, I'm writing a letter so that you know how things ought to go in God's household. This God alive church is a bastion of truth. In a world where they're falling away, I have a truth that stands the eternal test of time. You may not like it. You do, you're believers, but they may not like it. It don't matter if they like it or not. It's the truth. It's going to stand forever. You may persecute me for it. It's the truth. You may kill me for it. It's the truth. Why do you think the martyrs died? They died for truth. Last one is the Passion Translation. I'm writing this with the expectation of seeing you soon, but if I'm delayed in coming, you'll already have these instructions on how to conduct the affairs of the church of the living God. This very household, his very household, and the supporting pillar and firm foundation of truth. Guys, the word is the truth. We teach in, the living God, in God's living church, it's all about the truth. It's all about the word. So I'll say this and I really will close, but I, I want you to know that if you're going to receive the word, you receive it at church because the church is all about the truth. It's about the word. We do a lot of other things in services, but the main part of the service is about the truth of the word. That's why the preaching is given preeminence over every other part of the service, unless the Holy Ghost supernaturally and divinely instructs otherwise, which he does from time to time, but he doesn't do it on a regular basis because nothing else will change your thinking but the word. Amen. So we come to church for the word because we are the church, the pillar of truth. Yes, we have to hold high and prop up the truth in your lives. Amen. When the truth is upheld, things will change for you. And by the way, uh, have you noticed that when you come to church and you, and you receive the truth, uh, there's got to be uh, an office that hands that truth for you. So just, it's not just being thrilled with the word, but it's also being thrilled with the delivery vehicle that God has chosen. Pastor Nancy is my delivery vehicle. There's a lot of ministers that I love, but there's something special about her. Why? Because God put her in my life. So I don't nitpick her. I don't nitpick her dress, what she looks like. I don't. I guard my heart. Because the delivery vehicle that God has selected in my life is through her and others, but primarily through her. And, and I'm grateful and I, and I appreciate the way that she delivers it. So all I need to know is, is not that is there other preachers out there that may be better or maybe, maybe just as good or whatever. That's not really the issue. The issue is where did God plant me? Because where God plants me, that's the delivery vehicle of truth that he has for me. 
And so I'm encouraging you. There may be things you don't like about the, my personality or this or the delivery, but you've got to learn to say, Father, if you planted me here, then, there's, then this is the delivery vehicle you've primarily, not only, there's other ministers, of course, but this is a primary delivery vehicle for me. Let me guard my heart. And let me be thrilled with that delivery, with that style of delivery. Amen. I'm serious. Amen. Let me make the adjustments about personality that I need because I don't want anything to rob me. If you've planted me here to receive the word from this vehicle, right. then let me honor the vehicle and let me not get offended with the vehicle and let me not judge the vehicle because I got to stay where you planted me. Yes. Yes. I'm serious. Amen. People coming to me on the boat yesterday. Pastor, we've never seen you without shoes on. You're in your bare feet. What are you doing? Because I'm riding a boat and it's wet. Yeah. And I'm trying to take you for your tour. Yeah. 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 But you see, it's hard for people sometimes to see you in a different light. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know you had hair on your legs. Oh, I do. <laughs> and, they're, and they're very, my wife says they're very beautiful. Well, she didn't say that, but I added that to what she said. She said something else, praise God. You got to look past the natural. You got to look past the this. You got to look past the dress. You got to look past the jokes. You got to look past personality differences, cultural differences, skin color differences. You got to look past all of that. And you got to look, you got to look, is this where I'm planted? And is this the delivery vehicle primary? There's many others, but is this the primary? Yes. Okay, Lord, if I tick those boxes, then I'm going to get thrilled with the word first. And I'm grateful for the delivery person that you've put in my life. And I'm going to just keep all the other thoughts out. Because I, 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 that word is too precious to me. Amen. Not that the person is that precious or the person can be precious, but it's the word that is so precious. Yes. Do you actually love the Bible? Is the Bible like your most precious book in the world? Because the Bible should be more precious to you than your journal. Amen. And the Bible should be more precious to you than, your, than your, 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 your fiction that you're reading to let your mind rest at night. It should be more important, ladies, than the magazines you're reading. And men, it should be more important than your sports illustrated or whatever it is that you look at. The Bible, the word of God is so precious. Amen. You know, men have died to give us this book. Yeah. We forget that. They gave their life. Many people that wrote this book died for it. They're watching us from the, from the bandstand of heaven say, what are you doing with the word, the pillar of truth? Your society is going to hell. Hold up the truth. If it hurts people, so be it. You're not trying to hurt people, but the word, the Bible says, is a stumbling block. They're going to stumble anyway. Dan, they're going to stumble in Inverness because you're holding a banner. We don't have to do it in a way that tries to hurt people. But the fact that we just hold this standard of righteousness is going to make some people their skin crawl because they want their truth. And we're telling them your truth will put you in hell. The only thing that puts you in heaven is the truth. The word of God says... Our argument is always the word of God says, not my opinion, not my culture, not my church of God or my this or my denomination. The word of God says when somebody's at work and they're, they're abusing you, tell them what the word of God. They've got no defense against the word. And you make sure you live the word. Don't be stealing paper clips and then telling them the word of God says. Don't be cussing and laughing at dirty jokes in the lunchroom and then trying to preach that the word of God says. You've got to have a standard that you live, otherwise they will mock you. We have to live the word. We have to preach the word. We have to hold the word up. I'm dying of cancer. The doctor says, no, but the word of God says. Remember at the youth camp, what, what Randy kept telling all the young people? Why do we believe this? And they would all answer in unison, because the Bible tells us so. The Bible tells us so. Praise God. We're holding up the standard of truth. I had more, but we got to close. Because of your marriage problems, we have to close. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you've made husbands the head and you've made wives the head in a different way. That we're submitting one to another in the grace of life. That we love, we have sweet marriages in this church. We have husbands that love their wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for the church. So these husbands give themselves to their wives and for their wives. They serve them as though they were their queen because Jesus loves the church as though we are his queen.
Oh, and Lord, the wives, they, they help guide and direct and govern the home. They show reverence and honor. They're, they're industrious and studious like Proverbs 31 says. They're honorable to their children and to their husbands. And Lord, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movement of equality and of respect and of passion and of love and of honor. Oh, Father, let them, let them touch that beautiful flow of marriage. If they're not, Lord, obviously you've highlighted that to me this morning unexpectedly. So Lord, whatever areas that they need tweaking and let their hearts open. You said, I'm, I'm, I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm teachable. Come learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. Lord, let their hearts be humble and let their hearts be teachable this morning so that their marriage will get sweeter so that Jesus, you'll be glorified. Father, I thank you, Lord, who have given some scriptures, Father, from your word about why the word is so important. It keeps us from sin. It washes us. It renews our mind. It frames our worlds. Oh, we thank you, Father. As they go this week, Lord, I'm going to be sitting under your word. It don't matter what happens in those services. I'm so thrilled that my pastor gets to feed me the word. Lord, I hope that they have a measure at least of that excitement when they come and they go, Lord, I'm so happy I get to listen to your word from the one that you've asked to be my pastor. What a privilege. Lord, I'm going to go sit under the word. Let them stay under the word with me this week. Let them keep listening and watching live stream and watching archive live stream and tuning in if they can't come in person. And I thank you, Father, that the word and the pillar of truth, the, the, the bastion of truth for society continues to go out from this pulpit. And Lord, it continues to water their minds, wash their minds and renew their minds that they would think right and they would be delivered. In Jesus name, in Jesus name, Lord, it's not just the people in the insane asylums that need to think right. It's all of us need to think right. We may be have a good life and a normal life, so to speak. But Lord, there's always areas in our life that we need to change our thinking in so that we can have the higher flow. Lord, I thank you that they, as they just keep being faithful, if they'll just keep coming and not getting offended and just keep being faithful as they sit here week after week, month after month, year after year, the word of God will so change their thinking. They will become different people and more like Jesus and more blessed and more favored and more wealthy and more healthy and more glorious. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, the reason this church is succeeding is because of your word. It's not because of my personality. It's because of your word. It's the anointing of your, your anointing on that word through this office. That's why this church is growing and succeeding. It's the anointing of your, on your word through an office. So I thank you, Father, that your word is always held high. We honor your word this morning. We praise you for your precious word. Let them look at that Bible like the most precious, like they would look at a golden goblet or a diamond ring that is so valuable to them. Let them look at their Bible. It's so precious. It's so valuable. It's the words of life that God spoke. And it can change my life. Oh, we thank you for it, Father. And we bless you and we honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen.